0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. أعوذ Rajeem. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful السلام wa warahmatullahi wa May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all Welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam radio station You're listening to myself, Samar Angelis and we will be with you, God willing, all the way up until 9 o'clock So if you do have any questions, any remarks, any comments that you'd like to make please feel free to do so The number for you as always is zero 0208 zero 687 7878 and of course you can hit us up on our socials on X and on Instagram at voiceofislamuk like I said uh, this is your radio station and so we do love for you to get involved so do do pick up the phone and give us a call Um, the three segments that we're going to be speaking about, the main segments uh, after we go through a roundup of the news um, are 1 in 10 mothers of under 4s quitting work over childcare Um, then we'll be speaking about heart and muscle health and last but not least we're going to be speaking about teaching creativity in schools, um, how it can benefit both teachers and pupils according to some new research uh, which has been done so some very interesting uh, and topical uh, subjects that we're speaking about as well so do let us know what you think in this regard whether it's, uh, whether you're I mean a lot of our listeners probably getting their children or starting to get their children ready for, for school as well. Uh, let us know what you think about the, the the first topic, the one in ten mothers of under fours quitting work uh, over childcare. Uh, and of course, um, the other topics are just as important as well. Um, before getting into uh, these three main segments for the day, uh, Jalees, how are you doing this fine morning?
1: Yeah, Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah Almighty, I'm doing well and um, yeah, uh, I hope our uh, listener is also doing well, and I hope you yourself, Summer. I hope you are doing well as well.
0: Very good, thank you. Um, and what's the uh, what's the weather like?
1: Yeah, so when we look at the weather for today, we see today, tonight, and Wednesday. Uh, beginning with today, we see a bright start in Northern Ireland and Scotland, but turning cloudier later with some light rain in far northern Scotland. Uh, elsewhere, cloudy with showers initially, but skies gradually clearing. Uh, moving on to tonight, we see clear spells initially for England and Wales, with high cloud moving in late, uh, in later, and some for Northern England. Uh, steady in rain, uh, steady rain in Scotland, drizzle in Northern Ireland, breezy in the north. Moving on to Wednesday, we see a windy day tomorrow, with strong. Westerly winds for most northwest Scotland would see further spells of rain, with some drizzle likely in other western uh, spots of the UK. Brighter to the south Moving on to an outlook for Thursday to Saturday, we we'll see cloudy for most on Thursday, with strong westerly to uh, strong westerly to north westerly winds persisting. Frequent showers in the far north, some turning wintry. Southern England and Wales will escape drier, colder in Friday with some wintry showers likely in northern Scotland and possibly some North Sea coasts. Skies clearing overnight into Saturday which will see a bright and settled day for all. So a cloudy uh, day for the coming days but of course on Saturday we will see a bright and settled day.
0: Very good. Um, so, I mean, weather doesn't look too bad uh, this week. Um, the, the, the forecast. Yeah. Um, going into the newspaper headlines, so tax-cutting Tories and uh, PM's scheme drove COVID, uh, quote unquote. So many of today's papers focus on the evidence given to the COVID, uh, COVID inquiry by Sir Patrick Vallance, who served as the government's chief scientific advisor during the pandemic. The Daily Mirror leads with reports Uh, Rishi Sunak, then-Chancellor under Boris Johnson, said the government should allow deaths from the virus to soar, quote-unquote, rather than impose new restrictions in autumn 2020. The allegation was made in Sir Patrick's diary entry from October 2020, claiming Mr Johnson's special adviser Dominic Cummings had said, Rishi thinks, just let people die and that's okay. Quote unquote," the inquiry is due to hear from Mr. Sunak soon. Mm-hmm. Sir Patrick also told the inquiry Mr. Sunak's "Eat
1: Out to Help Out" quote unquote uh, scheme drove the second wave of COVID infections in the autumn of 2020. <coughs> Excuse me. The i The i newspaper says. It is the first time a senior government figure has confirmed the scheme which subsides meals of participating restaurants in August 2020 was a driver of transmission.
0: Hmm. Away from the inquiry, several of today's papers look ahead to Wednesday's autumn statement and the expected tax cuts which may be announced. Mr. Sunak has said the government can and will, quote-unquote, cut taxes, but has warned that we can't do everything at once, again quoted from the source. As speculation grows over how generous any measures will be, the Daily Express reports.
1: Metro notes that any tax changes will come as the clock ticks down to a general election, quote-unquote. The paper says the PM has distanced himself from this, uh, from his predecessor's unfunded, quote-unquote, tax-cutting policy last year, insisting we will do this in a serious, responsible way based on fiscal rules
0: alongside independent forecasts, quote-unquote. The Daily Mail says the move would mark the return of tax cutting Tories, quote unquote, adding that there could be more to come in the spring. Like the Metro, the Mail also notes the changes will be viewed as a bid to turn the tide, quote unquote, for the party at the next election.
1: The Daily Telegraph describes the plan as a th- uh, Thatchering tax cutting drive, quote unquote, a reference to former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, who favoured reduced income tax rates during her tenure at Number 10 in the 1980s. The paper says the current PM has been considering plans to cut national insurance, raise the 40% income tax threshold and reduce inheritance tax. On um, an image of Mr Sunak with his Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt
0: also makes the front page. A photo of another former Prime Minister, David Cameron, makes the front page of The Times. Excuse me, the new foreign secretary is pictured being sworn in as Lord Cameron of uh, uh, Chipping Norton in the House of Lords on Monday. The the paper's main story is about the government's plans, expected to be announced in the autumn statement, which it says include cutting the welfare bill and forcing more benefit claimants to look for jobs. The Sun
1: carries an interview with Ukraine's President. Uh, in which he claimed Russia's President Vladimir Putin has made five or six, quote-unquote, attempts to have him assassinated. Mr Zelensky has urged Western allies to stay resolute,
0: quote-unquote, in backing Ukraine, the paper says. Interesting. Um, The Guardian carries a stark warning from the United Nations that the world is on track for a hellish, quote-unquote, 3C of global heating um, by the end of the century. Um, The report comes ahead of the COP28 climate summit uh, that begins next week in the United Arab Emirates, the paper says. Staff at artificial
1: intelligence company OpenAI have put pressure on the board to bring back ousted boss Sam Outman, the Financial Times reports in its lead
0: story. And lastly, the Daily Star has declared a victory on its front page after being taken to task over the use of the term boffin to describe experts in its stories, which it does frequently. The paper says it is in fact okay to use the word if the recipient likes it, according to boffins, quote-unquote, the paper spoke to. Um, so that's uh, all that we have time for today in regards to the uh, the world news. Um, we do have a lot to cover um, and quite a few esteemed guests that we're going to be going through as well and speaking with. Um, just a quick reminder of the topics that we're addressing today. Um, The first segment that we're just going to go into right now is one in 10 mothers of under fours quitting work over childcare. Um, The next will be heart and muscle health, which we hope to start uh, um, in this hour as well. Um, And then last but not least, teaching creativity in schools and how it can benefit both teachers and pupils according to some new research which has been done Um, if you would like to get involved and voice your opinion on any one of these topics then please pick up the phone and give us a call 0208 687 7878 is the number for you and of course you can hit us up on our socials on X and on Instagram at voiceofislamuk Um, so Jalees just getting straight into this um, this this, 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 this story um, one in ten mothers with under four children Um, how they left their jobs due to childcare pressures as they find it hard to juggle between work and childcare. However, more mothers are working than ever before, but their careers weren't progressing and they amounted to a motherhood penalty, as as to say, uh, since affordable childcare and lack of flexible working arrangements were holding them back to progress in their respective careers. So... Firstly, uh, Jalees, what do you think is uh, the women's primary role within Islam?
1: Yeah, so when when we look at the women's role, uh, primary role in Islam, we see that women, like men, they are encouraged to pursue uh, spiritual growth, moral development and a stronger connection with God through prayers, good deeds and adherence to Islamic faith. Now, if we look at Ahmadi Muslims, you know, we believe uh, in the imp- importance of family you know, and recognize the significant role of women in, in nurturing and maintaining family ties. You know, women are seen as uh, essential contributors to the well-being of the family and responsible for raising children and you know, providing care and uh, fostering a loving and supportive uh, household environment. Uh, when we look uh, further if we look at the Ahmadi Muslim community it strongly supports the the education of women they encourage uh, women to you know pursue knowledge academic excellence and intellectual growth and you know this is something that Islam promotes as well and you know of course uh, the uh, um, educated women are considered assets to their families and uh, communities and then uh, you know, Ahmadi women are encouraged to contribute positively to society and they may engage in you know charitable activities social work and community service within the, the bounds of islamic teachings and and uh, you know um if if we if we look at um uh, the uh the, the 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 role of of uh, w- uh women I- within islam of of uh, parents um uh, as we are talking about mothers over here we see that you know the the father has has a role and the mother has a, has a very important role um as well and this there's just one example that that I like to give um and his holiness hazim is khalifat Ahmad ahmed you know uh, the uh, fifth caliph of the promised messiah um in many of his uh in many of in many of his addresses or in many of uh, his uh, meetings um that he has with Ahmadi, Ahmadis around the world um whenever he is asked about um you know the role of of of, uh, of the a father or a mother uh, one thing that does come come to mind which i feel is is important to to mention as well is that um uh, his holiness has emphasized the role of of mothers um, to such an extent that uh, has said that it's th- to look after the the well-being and the the moral upbringing of children it's important that mothers you know play uh, you know mothers play a huge role in this and he gave the example um, he, he 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 says that when a child goes to school um, you know or when, when they are uh um, when they when they go to school and they spend their time in school and they 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 spend the lessons in school and they learn all, all these new things and when they come home his holiness has emphasized that there should be a uh, they, they should the, the mother should be at home there as well um you know to to uh, to you know t- talk with the with the child or uh, give the um, feed feed the child be there for the child, you know, to to raise him, because this is a very essential point in the child's life, and this is something that mothers um, can can do, you know, far better, um, you know, at, at a very tender young age. Mothers can do far better than than a father. So, so when we see, uh, not not saying that you know fathers uh, do not play a role in raising their child as well, they, they they of course do, but mothers, when it comes to mothers, they have a very uh, close attachment with uh, the child and it's important that they are there for them to ensure a good uh, moral upbringing of uh, the child uh, when we look at today's society and summer i think you can you you, uh, you, you will also agree uh, with me whenever uh, for example if if, if if a person is go- is going out we see that in today's society with the with the the um the with technology um, you know, rampant and with with phones and iPads, uh, you know, just uh, available um, in every household, we see that slowly there has become a trend, um, unintentionally, I, I I would assume, where uh, parents would hand over you know an i iP- an iPad or a screen to their child to keep them busy and engaged, mm. um, and you know this is something that if if uh, um this is something that when you, when you look at it it's it's uh, it's it's important that it's not um uh, that it's not uh, I was in when you see something like this it's it's the, the first thing that would come to one's mind is that are the parents raising the child or is the iPad Raising the child, and, and obviously what they what they what they view on the iPad, of course, if, uh, whether it be cartoons or whether it be various other things, that will have an impact on the child as well. So at 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 the tender age, um, and as, of course as we are talking about mothers of under fours, we see that the role of parents is extremely crucial throughout the child's life as well, um, and it's something that uh, Islam has uh, has uh, laid great emphasis on um as well
0: yeah i mean we we can only understand how essential and important it is for us to be as parents for us to spend quality time with our children um like you mentioned um occupying the child with uh with a with a tablet or an ipad or a phone or any kind of electric uh, electronic device where they're just watching videos or whatever um i mean Obviously, there's beneficial things as well, and there's a time and place for that as well. Mm. But a lot of times, we see that uh, the, the 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 parents, um, and it's 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 not a um, in a way of blame or anything, um, but it's just that we see that a lot of parents would just hand the these devices to their children. Um, so that they can have their alone time, right? Some some me time for for themselves, and uh, maybe just relax on the sofa and do something else, or, or watch something, or uh, just spend some time with their mates, or whatever. I mean, there's there's obviously um, there, there's a time and place for everything. But it's not to say that whenever you want to just occupy your child with something, you put them in front of a screen um, and let them do their thing. There's, there's so many harmful effects that that can have as well. Obviously, there's the eyesight. There's the, uh, there's the um, uh, uh, attention span. There's the, some ads that might come up that you don't want them to see. Mm. There's, um, it, it might go from one program to another program without you having any knowledge of that. And uh, you might not want them to see such and such things. So there's so many negatives of of course its benefits as well but i think especially in this example that we've given the the negatives far outweigh uh, the positives uh, in this regard and um, and like you were mentioning uh, jalees in, in in islam um it, it teaches us our faith teaches us that uh, men and women they both have different physical and emotional strengths and in view of this um, it, it it has set out different roles, different key roles um, for the men and different key roles for the women as well. So, for ex- example, uh, men have been assigned the duty to work and provide for their family and women have been assigned the undertaking of uh, the, the role of motherhood and of looking after the household, the upbringing of the child as well, which which in essence is actually looking after the next generation as well. Um so a very uh, difficult uh, uh albeit important task that the the mothers have been given within Islam. Um Jalees, when we talk about um of course this this uh, segment is addressing working mothers um, especially of the or, or, of of mothers who have children under the age of four or up to the age of f- four um why work doesn't take precedence over looking after the family um or, or motherhood so there's several reasons or beliefs that might underscore why looking after the family or motherhood um is often considered of paramount uh, importance um nurturing an uh, uh, uh the the child the upbringing of her children is considered a critical responsibility, particularly in the formative years. Uh, many believe that a mother's care and presence play a vital role in ch- child's uh, emotional, mental and moral development. Um, and not just many, but I, I think the vast majority would would think this, um, as it is true as well. Uh, family bonds and stability. The um, family unit is seen as the cornerstone of society. Prioritizing family and motherhood helps in fostering strong family bonds providing emotional support as well um, and means maintaining family stability the islamic teachings within this regard well there's a huge amount of emphasis on the importance of family and the role of mothers in nurturing and raising children with islamic values providing a nurturing home environment is highly valued within the islamic faith of course, then there's personal choice and fulfillment as well. So many women prioritize family and uh, motherhood based on personal choice, finding fulfillment and purpose in raising their children, and being actively involved in their family's well-being as well. There's, of course, cultural and societal uh, societal norms as well. So the cultural values and societal expectations often play a significant role in shaping perspectives on the roles of women in some cultures the role of a mother and a caregiver is highly esteemed however it's important to note that while prioritizing family and motherhood is valued in many societies and religious teachings this doesn't negate the importance of work or career for women Many societies and interpretations within Islam also emphasise the significance of education, personal development and contribution to society through work, provided it can be balanced with family responsibilities. Um, We have touched on um, quite a few things which uh, Islam teaches in this regard as well, but uh, more on this from our first guest for the show. We do have with us on the line Imam uh, Mutaraf Ahmed, who is a recent graduate from uh, the Institute (coughs) of Jamia Ahmadiyya UK. Uh, which is a unique institute that specialises in languages and theology. Um, he has com- completed the seven-year course and graduated as a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Wa alaikum salam, peace be upon him and uh, good morning, JazakAllah for having me in the show, JazakAllah, Thank you for for being with us. Um, we have uh, we're talking about a very interesting topic, uh, one in 10 mothers of under fours quitting work over child care. Um, and we have touched on a few of the reasons why this is the case. Um, the first question that we wanted to ask you was if you could kindly elaborate on the role of mothers in Islam. Uh, like I said, we have touched on this as well. So if you can uh, briefly mention that and all, on top of that, how do they contribute to the religious upbringing and character development of their children as well? Uh, Yeah, sure, that's a great question. Um, To start
2: with, I'd like to say that, you know, women have a great, uh, they've been given a special ability. And in fact, you can call this a superpower. You see, God has bestowed them with the ability to bear a child and to nurture the child. You know, and this in itself creates a very special relationship and attachment between the woman and the child. So you see that the, the, the Arabic noun Ummun, which stands for mother, has a very special significance of its own. For example, we see that the first chapter of the Holy Qur'an, Surah Fatiha, which is you know the most oft-repeated chapter of the Qur'an, and seen as a beacon and gateway to the Qur'an, it has many names. And uh, one of the names is being given by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is Ummul Kitab and Ummul Qur'an. Hmm. Right? The mother of the books and the mother of the Qur'an. You know, vast commentaries have been written on this very short and comprehensive chapter. We wonder why is that? It is because it guides and nurtures, just like a mother guides and nurtures. In fact, we see the the very same in the animal kingdom. One example that comes to my mind right now is uh, that of uh, of the polar bear mothers. Mm-hmm. After giving birth, the cubs stay with their mothers for about two years. And, uh, you know, they learn the necessary survival skills in the cold climate. And the mothers, in that time, create a safe space for the, for the cup to grow. Thus, you know, we see that the beauty of God's creation can be seen everywhere. If you ponder a little, you can learn great life lessons. And Islam is, in fact, a religion which goes hand in hand with science. You know, we see that God's word, the Holy Quran, and God's action, science, In fact, do go hand-in-hand. And God Almighty has taught us uh, a very beautiful prayer in the Holy Quran. It states that The translation is that O our Lord, grant us from our partners and children the delight of our eyes and make us a model for the righteous. The word imama in this uh, in this prayer is of great significance. It means leader. One one meaning of the word is leader. And you know, the simple prayer teaches both the mother and the father that their duty is to become a leader, a role model for the child. To understand this, um, you know, we'd see that there's, in, in certain jobs, there's different positions, and, and even in certain sports, there's, there's different positions. You find that, for example, in football, you know, one person be playing in the midfield position and another be playing in the defensive position. But at the end of the day, you know, they have the same aim mm. to, to win the game. In the same way, you'd see that a mother and a father would have different positions. But the aim at the end of the day is the same. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is that the, the mother, especially for the first few years of the child development, as in the role of the mother, is very important in the first few years. Women have the ability to bear a child and nurture the child. They carry the child for the nine months and, and then nurture the child even after giving birth. There's naturally, you know, it creates a link between the mother and the child. They are, in fact, laying the foundations for the child, you know, because they're actually giving birth to the child as well. So, so for example, when, when making a house, you, you want to make firm foundations. Otherwise, the buildings are just going to collapse, mm. you know. In the same way, the, the character-building of a child will have to be looked after from day one. The, the fifth successor of the Promised Messiah upon whom be peace, President Mirza al Ahmed may Allah strengthen his hand as frequently stressed and elaborated on the subject. His Holiness, in one of his Friday sermons in 2013, in fact, he stated an will power phrase, um, his Holiness said that the tendency to copy others is in the nature of a child. This tendency is certainly for our benefit, but the wrong use sometimes leads to man's destruction or takes him towards destruction. It is a consequence of this tendency to copy and be influenced by the environment that man learns uh, a language from one's parents, learns other deeds and good things which makes a child a well-managed person. If the parents are virtuous, observe the prayer, read and recite the Holy Qur'an, live with each other in an atmosphere of love and affection, and have all falsehood, then the children under their influence will adopt the same virtues. On the contrary, if the child sees lying, fighting, and disputes, making fun of others in the home, and or other such bad actions, then because of that tendency to copy, or because of the impact of the environment, the child learns these evils. When he goes out he tries to learn whatever he sees in the surroundings and among his friends uh you know this is why his holiness says that that is why i repeated really draw the attention to the parents that they should keep an eye on the outside environment of the children and even within the home you know some may say that these measures presented by his holiness you know are very to an extent you know continuously keeping an eye on your child but you know if we see that is these very parents who who would think that they would later regret that they should have kept an eye on the children yeah. you know his, his honest words carry great wisdom and, and the reason why i mention the difference the, the positions in sports is that in islam you know the man in islam has been naturally praised in such a manner that he should provide for the family and the woman is naturally designed in such a manner that she should look after the children and the husband and vice versa. You know, this doesn't mean that women can't be educated, as some would try to distribute. Well, everything I've just mentioned says the complete opposite. Women are nation builders.
0: Yeah.
2: And for them to be a nation builder, they must be educated. For mothers to be role models and for them to develop the children character, they must be educated. But most importantly, obviously, pious and uh,
0: god-fearing yeah most certainly most certainly. some some beautiful points that you've mentioned there and, and and i think especially from the prayer that you mentioned from within the holy quran the scripture for the for the for the muslim faith um it, it's so essential uh for the parents themselves first to be good role models And only then can children uh, soak that up like sponges, like you you mentioned from the words of uh, the current head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well. Um, Imam al another question that I wanted to ask you was uh, that mothers, obviously, uh, often juggle various roles and responsibilities. How does Islam guide mothers in striking, uh, let's say, a balance between their family duties, their personal growth, and other commitments as well? Uh, Yeah,
2: that's that's a great question. um, Because especially nowadays, I think we see many people um, struggle with this and and they feel like they have, you know, these various duties or especially nowadays, you'd see that people have become very, to an extent, I know it's a harsh word, but people have become selfish, you know, this whole concept of Mm self-love has come into existence. Um, But I, I think the best rule of thumb would be the words of His Holiness, the fifth Caliph of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, You know, a woman asked His Holiness regarding women going into employment. And His Holiness beautifully answered, saying that if a woman is doing a job which benefits mankind directly, for example, becoming a doctor or a teacher, she should carry it out and, you know, there shouldn't be any hindrance. But His Holiness said that to to leave home and to, to work only to gain a little more money, whilst well, jeopardizing the rights a woman owes to her children and her husband is, is wrong. Now, what we understand from this is that the only way one can balance their life is is by becoming selfless and, and sacrificing self for the benefit of others. This is, in fact, one meaning of the word Islam, you know, to submit to God, to God's will. Mm. So we learn that if if one submits to god's will they'll naturally strike a balance in everything uh, and and see which gaps they need to fill like like i mentioned before that the quran is the word of god and science is the action of god so while studying science and and what i mentioned above as well is that a a mother must be there to, to build the foundation of a child you know just in that way, we see that she would want to be selfless and, and care for the child in order to to build, um, you know, the next generation of leaders. That is, I mean, we learn today as well still of many great women, you know, the, the likes of Fatima al-Fihri, who's known to have founded the first and the oldest surviving university in the world. But still, I mean, there, there's examples of, of those very same women. They're nation builders, uh, especially her, for example, I mentioned the name, right? Mm. She, she was, she is a nation builder, but she must have been a mother as well at the same time. Yeah. So so fulfilling your duties as a mother comes first, and and, and everything else comes after that. Uh, whilst fulfilling, obviously, you know, God has brought us the law, and, and to understand what God wants, it would, at the end, be the most perfect law because he's the one who's created us,
0: right? Yeah. Most, yeah, no, no, most definitely. I mean, it's it's just like any any device that we see. Um, when we look at its application and how to use it the best person to ask about that would be the person who actually invented the thing or from the manual, right? Not uh, just a random bloke who says, oh, this this is the best way or that is the best way. Whoever created it, that is the best person to ask. And of course, we believe that Allah the Almighty was the one who created all of us, uh, the, the, all of us beings and the world and the universe and absolutely everything. And so he is the best person, best in, uh, uh, being to guide us uh, in that manner as well. Um, Imam uh, Muttarraf Ahmed uh, JazakAllah thank you for being with us for answering our questions uh, in such a beautiful manner as well um, and we hope you have a wonderful day and week ahead as well
2: JazakAllah
0: I hope you have the same JazakAllah Likewise JazakAllah as Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call that was Imam Muttaraf Ahmed recent graduate from Jamia Ahmadiyya UK which is a unique institute that specializes in language and theology uh, he's completed the 7-year course and graduated as a missionary as an imam of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, and he was on with us and sharing his thoughts and teaching us what Islam uh, actually says in this regard as well. Um, so we, uh, with that, we are going to be going uh, moving to uh, our next topic for the day, um, the heart and muscle health. So the heart, which is referred to as the body's engine and beats nonstop to s- sustain life, is an amazing organ that goes through complex processes d- during contraction. These processes involve the interaction of thick uh, and thin protein filaments uh, within the uh which is the basic building block of both skeletal and heart muscle cells. Changes in thick filament uh, proteins can have a serious negative impact on health as they can result in conditions like hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy uh, um, and other heart and muscle diseases as well. So before we speak with uh, our guests, uh, Jalise, if you can kindly uh, let our listeners know um in regards to the two protein filaments um uh, with the thin the thin and thick, and what uh what their their uses is as well please
1: yeah of course, so this is it's slightly a bit uh complex, it may be slightly complex. I will try to make it easy um for for our listener to to follow so imagine you're taking a peek inside your muscles and it's like a tiny world where things are you know happening to make your muscles move. In This muscle world, there are two main teams, if you will, of proteins you know, the thin ones and then the thick ones. The thin team includes uh, F actin, tropamine, tropomyosin, uh, and nebulin. Uh, on the other side, the thick team consists of myosin, titan, and myosin binding protein C, which is MYBPC. All right, so these. Proteins are like the players in a muscle game, for example. So, working together to make your muscles contract and uh, to do their thing. Now, think of the muscle as a series of regions, like different zones and bands. In these zones, the the thin and thick protein players are arranged to specific ways, uh, kind of like players taking different positions in on on a sports field. You know, here's where now that it gets interesting like i mentioned the mybpc one of the players from the thick team acts like a connector forming links between the thin and thick protein players so meanwhile the the myosin known as the uh, motor protein uh, interacts with the thin proteins to create force and and make your muscles uh, contract now why does this all matter well there are issues with the thick team's proteins it can be linked to muscle diseases and you know, understanding the nitty-gritty details of how these thick proteins work together is like having a secret manual to fix muscle problems so far We've been, you know, missing a detailed picture of the thick team, but getting that could be a game changer for developing ways to treat, uh, you know, muscle disease. So, like, in in a nutshell, it's like having a backstage pass to the muscle show. Figuring out how these proteins uh, teams work together might just help us find a better way to keep our muscles healthy and uh, strong. Uh, we do have with us, Doctor. Uh, Rebecca Robinson Uh, Dr Rebecca Robinson is a consultant in sport and exercise medicine who works with elite athletes across a range of sports and who has recently been elected as a council member for the Faculty of Sport and Exercise Medicine UK she is also a keen runner who has rep- uh, represented Great Britain in both marathon and mountain running. Uh, Dr. Rebecca Robinson, Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Breakfast Show.
3: Good morning, thank you very much.
1: Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we are speaking about a very interesting topic, and just just getting to the questions. Um, in your research uh, on the impact of physical activity on chronic illness. What link have you found between exercise and heart health?
3: This is a really um, interesting question because it takes us back to the beginnings of rehabilitation medicine. Yeah. We know that rehabilitation for long-term conditions affecting the heart is very, very effective. Um, we know that the heart, listening to your topic just before, Is in itself a very strong muscle
2: Hmm.
3: it can be damaged due to illnesses directly um, and people can develop heart conditions but developing a healthy program around the heart and being more physically active can certainly help restore at least part of that health and health to the individual.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, indeed. And, and uh, w- which steps can, can women take to exercise for, for or can, can, can we take to exercise for, for good heart health and how can we you know, incorporate this in our daily routine?
3: If you are not used to being physically active, doing just a little bit makes a huge difference. So if someone is less physically fit in terms of their heart and lungs ability to exercise, just a little bit will help a lot. So those people can perhaps start with five minutes a day um, or alternate days and very slowly build it up. And remember to have rest days in between because the heart, like any other muscle, responds to training, but it also needs to rest and adapt. So rest is not um, a bad thing. Hmm. Um, And I think it's quite interesting when you mentioned that perhaps there's a difference between men and women and heart health. One of the reasons is the hormones that women have, such as oestrogen, those are quite protective on the heart. And that's during the years that we're reproductively active or able to have children. And after those years, the risks around heart health increase, so they become the same as those for men. So we're kind of protected until our middle years. And then after that time, it's more important to try to Maintain the same amount of activity and the same amount of muscle strength.
1: Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, um, it's uh, like you mentioned. It's important that if someone is not um, uh, as as active um, or in exercise, then they can start with small amounts in the day, five minutes, and work up. To um, uh, to to greater lengths, which of course is um, obviously good for the heart health, and of course, like you mentioned, uh, taking rest as well is uh, is indeed a good thing as well. Um, you know, s- sometimes marathon runners you know, suddenly have a um, a cardiac arrest or a heart attack, and you know why do such heart conditions occur despite them being healthy, you know, athletic, and sometimes even young.
3: Yeah, this is a complex issue and one that concerns us understandably as doctors working in sports medicine. So heart conditions are still relatively rare in athletes. When we have a huge number of people undertaking the marathon, sometimes there will be a higher likelihood that somebody very sadly or unfortunately have a cardiac event or something that affects the heart. In Elite sports, we actually screen athletes to make sure they have a structurally normal heart. However, that doesn't always exclude every condition that could affect the heart. So some people will have a risk due to the structure of the muscle in their heart. And if they train very, very hard at high levels, the muscle can't quite adapt in the same way as a healthy heart. This is something that we certainly screen for in athletes. More rarely, we can see disorders of the electrical conduction because there is electricity in our heart as well. So basically, that's what helps to conduct the heartbeat. And for some people, the rhythm can change due to a rare condition that they've inherited or developed. And as people get older, we suddenly have this increase in the heart disease, which might be due to problems in the vessels or high blood pressure so we add on those additional risks as we get older it's not essential for all people over middle years to have heart screening but sometimes being aware of other factors in our health even if we're healthy runners such as blood pressure and cholesterol and also family history of heart conditions is important just to check through
1: Uh, indeed indeed yes um i agree and um just just lastly, when training, what, what precautions should athletes take to stop overexerting the heart? And when, when should medical advice be sought out?
3: I think this is also a really important question. Because in the field of sport and exercise, it often looks like we're saying do more and push harder.
4: Hmm. But
3: it goes back to adapting slowly and um, learning to listen to how we feel. So this day and age, we can monitor heart rate, for example, but what's potentially more important is listening into our bodies. I think one area that is important is not training through even quite mild, cold or respiratory conditions because they put a lot of strain on the heart. So around those times, I even encourage the athletes who do sports for a job to take a day or two off, Mm -hmm. just let their whole system relax. And we know that we're not pushing the body through too much, because there are there are some small studies that perhaps suggest that if the heart is under more stress at these times, it can develop stress on the muscle and potentially longer term damage. Mm,
1: indeed, indeed. I mean this. Uh... This this thing that you just mentioned of this this um, the act of maybe even over exerting oneself or exercising too much reminded me of a um, you know a saying of uh, the Prophet Muhammad uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in which he said that um, those deeds uh, are. Pl- uh, you know please god almighty which i've done uh consistently even if it be you know f- a few uh a few uh, minutes of something or a few uh, th- uh activities here or there as long as it's consistent then that is something more pleasing and of course we know that consistency is key, and um, you know when we talk about health as well, we know that keeping consistent, um, you know, in our training, uh, it doesn't mean that we overexert ourselves, like you mentioned, but it means that we listen to our bodies well and remain consistent. And um, I mean, uh, great points that you mentioned excellent points we do uh we're thankful for having you um on on our um breakfast show i mean we couldn't talk about this the, there are plenty more questions that we can go on uh, about but time has gotten the better of us and uh, uh, i i hope you have a wonderful day and a beautiful week ahead
3: thank you very much
1: thank you very much for joining us
0: Zero zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. That was Dr. Rebecca uh, Robinson, uh, who's a consultant in sport and exercise medicine who works with elite athletes across a range of sports who uh, and who has recently been elected as a council member for the Faculty of Sport and Exercise Medicine UK. She's also a keen runner who has represented GB, uh, Great Britain in both marathon and mountain running as well. Um, some very interesting uh, and important uh, things which were addressed uh, in that conversation. Um, and with that, uh, we're going to be going straight to our next guest. We do have with us on the line uh, David Smithson from Operations, uh, Operations Director at uh, Anxiety UK. alaikum peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. Good morning. You for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you for being with us today. Um, we're speaking about a very uh, important topic here. Um, and in this regard, the heart and muscle health. Um, another thing which, uh, which obviously is linked with this is our mental health. So the, the first question that we wanted to ask you in this regard was anxiety and depression are common after a heart attack or heart surgery. What are some ways that one can look after their, uh, their their heart health and mental well-being after such events?
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have a a major surgery um, in this regard, then you will obviously feel very anxious about it, very worried about it. It creates a lot of fear and worry in, in, in your mind as well as the, the physical um, operation that you've got to go through. Mm. Um, so it, it's... It's really important to try and prepare for that mentally as well as physically. Um, maybe talk to uh, talk to a therapist, learn some some ways and some exercises um, in how you can um, manage your manage your mental health um, during during that period.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, no, most certainly, and obviously, you being from Anxiety UK, uh, the the follow up question or, um, uh, naturally would be that: What support can Anxiety UK offer to individuals suffering with anxiety after a diagnosis or of yeah. heart disease?
5: I mean, we we offer a variety of different support services. We can um, we we can invite people to um, have therapy with us. We can provide them access to a therapist if they want to have talking therapy support. But also, there's some self-help things you can do, and we offer uh, peer support services where we meet online twice a week, where you can just discuss how you're feeling with other people. Sometimes it's having that support of somebody else who understands what you're going through yeah. that, that can help you. And then um, we also offer. Uh, a six-week anxiety management course, and we do six-week art for, art for, for, for anxiety therapy courses. So we, we offer different courses, six-week courses, that people can learn different techniques to help them manage their anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it's amazing, and and you're 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 very right in 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 what you're saying. In which when when people get involved, and you speak to an individual who who maybe is a professional in that manner. Um, and have that one-to-one session or that mm. sitting with them, then then obviously you can unload that uh, that burden that you have uh, I- inside you, isn't it? Um, for for our for our listeners out there who who try want to try and combat uh, anxiety as well, what what are some ways you you mentioned self-help as well? What are mm. some ways that individuals can try to do this themselves? Um, and if you could just elaborate a little bit more um, about some of those things that uh, individuals themselves can do
5: yes of course yeah i mean sometimes i mean it's simple things like breathing exercises yeah we there are some um some some form of breathing exercise different types of breathing exercises that you can do that help you manage that fear and that, that worry that you're, you know, that anxiety as it rises so that's sort of um an in the moment thing that you can do um other things such as um uh, mindfulness activities, doing things um, like yoga um, or doing taking up a hobby like um, crocheting or gardening or those kind of things, they're, they're activities that, that you can engage in that allow you to focus on doing something that stops your mind racing. Mm. Um, because often the, um, the, the anxiety um, and the depression, anxiety-based depression is around your minds constantly alert is constantly thinking and worrying about the thing that you're worried about if you can stop your mind worrying about that thing and i concentrate it in doing something more you know, more mindful um, then then that can be really 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 helpful so so think about ways that you know things that you can do to help you stop thinking and worrying about the um, the, the 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 issue that's triggering the anxiety. Yeah. Um, so so you know, there's also a whole raft of um, self help books that are available to read. So mm. and again they they some of these books use um, um, talking therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy techniques to help you you know to, to help yourself. So lots of self help books will give you exercises and and guide you through new techniques to try and um, to try and you know, educate yourself and to do, be 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 your own therapist if you like
0: yeah yeah awesome i mean especially what you mentioned in regards to simple things that we we can do in our day-to-day lives like breathing or yoga yeah. and i obviously i'm not likening uh, yoga to to uh, our our custom prayer that we have within the islamic faith but this is this is something in which uh, uh, we go through five times a day um, and it's like you said, it's kind of like meditating. It's taking the time out. It's breathing, focusing on 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 yourself rather than other worldly matters and things of that sort, and and just being one with, with your creator. And we we believe that that's a, that's a great way as well in which uh, we we can find this uh, this and try to combat anxiety and depression and mental illnesses um, as well. Uh, David, um, it was lovely speaking with you. Uh, unfortunately, you. We, we are coming up to the to, to the news yeah. now. Um, um, but we'd love to have you on again. Uh, thank you, and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead.
5: Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Take care. <laughs>
0: Likewise. Thank you. Bye bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That was David Smithson's operation director at Anxiety UK, sharing his thoughts with us. Um, and like we can see, it's very, very. Th- there are simple things that we can do to try and tackle this. Uh, obviously, it is a complex thing, and it does take time as well. But we'll speak more about that in just a short while. Here's the eight o'clock news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. A new station,
1: The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. Welcome back. This is The Voice of Islam, and we are talking about heart and muscle health. A very interesting and important topic indeed. We do have with us our next guest. We have with us Eleanor Fowler, uh, who is a research information officer at Heart Research UK. She is responsible for supporting all aspects of the research team's work, including the grant selection process, monitoring and uh, monitoring the current research projects, and generating communications about imp- about the impact of the work. Um Eleanor Fowler, assalamualaikum, peace be upon you and good morning and welcome to the breakfast show.
6: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you for joining us. Um we are indeed talking about a very interesting and important topic. Um as a researcher working at Heart Research UK, could you explain to us um what the uh, um, organization's objectives are?
6: Absolutely. So Heart Research UK is a registered UK charity. And we primarily fund medical research into the prevention, treatment and cure of heart diseases across the UK. We invest about £1.2 million every year. We also have community projects all over the country, corporate and community health check programs. And we do all of this with the ultimate aim that we will be here until there are no more deaths from heart diseases in the UK.
1: (laughs) That's, uh, that's very, um, it's, it's, it's a good motive, um, indeed. Um, you know, scientists, uh, scientists, I'm sure you, you have heard as well, have recently obtained the first high-resolution 3D image of the thick f- uh, filament of the heart muscle. Um, before the groundbreaking discovery, how did we understand the structure of the heart?
6: So it is a really, really important discovery, this one. So over recent years, we have really seen the development of increasingly complex imaging methods, right up from your real basic using a microscope, using an MRI, using an ultrasound machine. And those have increasingly got better and better as research has developed into things like cardiac MRI, which are very specific MRI scans looking at the heart. Now there are some issues with these older imaging methods. So for example, if you have to remove a part of the heart to look at it, this may damage it. You may not see it in its naturally occurring state. It removes it from its natural environment, so we may not see how it interacts with the surrounding structures of the heart. And one of the biggest problems we've also had is resolution, so namely how much detail can we see these structures of the heart in the heart is extremely complex and so the better detail that we can see these things in the better in terms of our understanding now this particular research group has actually published a number of papers using this technique it's a it's a fantastic technique and it really is building our understanding of the heart muscle and giving us never before seen images of the heart muscle Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, lastly, uh, what are some healthy resources that Heart Research offers which may uh, be helpful for individuals?
6: So we offer a range of um, resources and information on our website which is heartresearchuk.org.uk We have a cookbook, we have healthy heart recipes, we have healthy tips that go out every week and we have our magazine Pulse. So if you want to see any of that please head to our website, we have a great range of resources and information for everyone
1: awesome uh that's very great uh thank you for for joining us and thank you for asking our questions um we do hope you have a uh, lovely day and a beautiful week ahead
6: you too thank you very much for having me
1: thank you very much 008-687-7878
0: Zero zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. That was Eleanor Fowler, who is a Research Information Officer at Heart Research UK. Uh, she's responsible for supporting all aspects of the research team's work, including the grant selection process, monitoring the current research projects, and generating communications about the impact of the work. Um, uh, a very interesting uh, discussion and conversation there, especially uh, what she mentioned right in the beginning, that the, the it will continue uh, to do its research uh this organization until uh, there's no more deaths um of heart diseases which i found very um interesting indeed Um when we talk about the heart uh, there's actually a narration of the holy prophet muhammad may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him <clears throat> in which he said that there is an organ in the body when it is healthy the whole body is healthy and when it is sick the entire body becomes sick. And of course, this was him referring to the heart. And it just goes to show how important it is, Jalees, for us to look after our health, look after uh, our mental and physical um, uh, 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 selves uh, whether it's uh, like I said whether it's physical or mental um, and especially because this body this heart these organs all of these things that we've been given all of these faculties all of these limbs ourselves as a as a being um, these are all trusts which are given to us from God Almighty and we believe that this is something which we will return then to our uh, almighty creator as well and that is why it's so essential for us to not just go about our lives without caring for our bodies and without caring about our minds and our our other organs like the heart which we are addressing here as well Um, this is something that we do definitely need to take care of Um, and when we don't Um, then then, of course, there's a whole array of problems which just spiral and get bigger and bigger and bigger, Um, whether it's uh, um, about the things that we eat. Obviously, we've done so many shows on uh, the the effect that uh, our diet has on ourselves. Um, our on, on our livers, on our hearts, on our other organs within the body as well, um, and that's why it's so essential for us to look after our dietary uh, needs as well. We don't just eat fast food or junk food all the time or um, or or, or, or things which are, are negative and harmful for our body rather we eat and consume good positive and pure things isn't it
1: indeed i couldn't agree more i mean of course as we know the heart is the intellect and um, you know with with modern with modern science and with all, a lot of research that has been uh, that has uh, been done on the heart uh, we do find uh, various new things that have come to light, but when we study the Arabic, uh, the Arabic language, we see that there are many many hidden uh, secrets that we find even within the language itself. I mean, the 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 founder of the Ahmadiya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah Hazrat Miza Ghulam Ahmad, um, peace be upon him. He he once said, um, alluding to the heart, he says that, and I quote: the Arabic word for heart is Qalb which refers to anything that causes a thing to circulate. Now, we know that the circulation of blood depends on the heart. Present-day findings have only recently disclosed, after a long period of effort and contemplation, the phenomenon of blood circulation. However, in Islam, the word Qalb is already used for the heart and has therefore not only alluded to this truth, but also has safeguarded it as well. I mean, this. Uh, whenever I read this, I find it fascinating that there are secrets and 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 uh, hidden hidden things within the Arabic language, which we can uh, know uh, learn things about the function of something. I mean, uh, you know, and 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 the the Holy Quran being revealed in the Arabic language has safeguarded the Arabic language as well, and with their various things. Um, that we can we can we can learn from uh, when we study the Holy Quran when we study the Arabic and the, the root words of, of Arabic and various um, things do come to light which uh, just now modern technology and modern science is 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 uh, you know bringing
0: before us yeah no no most certainly I couldn't agree more um more on this uh, with our last guest for this segment we do have with us on the line Dr Nida Ahmed who is a cardiology doctor working at a specialist cardiac institute in central London she is well published and alongside her work she spends a lot of time promoting good health and well-being in the community by volunteering for activities run by the women's branch of the Ahmadiyya uh, Muslim Medical Association UK such as the renowned health check stools available at uh, all large community events as well alaikum, Peace be upon you Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Uh,
7: good morning and peace be upon you and all our listeners for the morning.
0: Very, uh, thank you for, for that. Um, uh, Dr Nidha, we're speaking about, obviously, as you know, a very interesting and important topic, uh, which is essential for us to, to address and especially for our listeners uh, out there as well. Um, what type of exercise do you think is good for the heart and who needs to be doing this type of exercise as well?
7: Uh, This is a really important topic, and thank you very much for getting me on so we can talk about it. Um, It's no secret that exercise has many benefits. Um, I think sometimes people can get a little lost about what type of exercise is the right one. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to take a moment to explain very broadly the different types of exercises that are out there and that people can then choose to do, um, whether that be in combination or focusing on one over the other over the week so, broadly speaking, there are three types of exercises that are good for the heart. First of all, you've got your aerobic exercise. So common examples of that are things like walking, cycling, and swimming. This is the type of exercise where you're moving the large muscles in your body. So, for example, your leg muscles. Then the second type of exercise I'd like to bring up here is resistance training. Common examples of this are people doing push-ups or using resistance bands. In this type of exercise, you're making your muscles stronger. Now, the third type of exercise are balance exercises. Common examples of these are yoga and Pilates. What they allow you to do is improve your flexibility. So as I'm sure your listeners have picked up, each one of these exercises is doing something unique. And the best type of exercise regimes are the ones that incorporate aerobic exercises, resistance exercises, and balance exercises. Let me give you an ideal world example of what an exercise regimen could look like. Mm-hmm. Now, in the ideal world, you should look to do at least 30 minutes a day of aerobic exercises and that's for 5 out of 7 days of the week. And then at least two non-consecutive days per week you should do some resistance training. And balanced exercises should be interspersed before and after the other types of exercises because as you and your listeners uh, may have picked up on it's slightly different to what the other uh, exercises offer and really balance ex- exercises is something you can do um sort of every day um including it in your daily mm. lifestyle mm. now you did mention um what type of people need to do exercises um that's a much bigger answer uh, but i just wanted to check that you know the types of exercises um, make sense and there aren't any follow-ups to that.
0: Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's it, it, like we addressed earlier on during the show as well, it's a very Islamic principle as well in which the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that we should, uh, every good thing that we do, uh, even if it's small in quantity, we should do it with regularity. And that is more pleased by God Almighty rather than doing something in bulk. So like you said, uh, five days a week for ha- half an hour, five days a week. Um, it just goes to show that it's, it's not something that we just do once and just spend half a day on and then forget about it for the rest of the month Uh, rather it's something that we actually do on a daily basis isn't it
7: i fully agree with you there and actually that is the most crucial part of this to um, make a commitment and then stick with a commitment if we talk about who needs to be doing these types of exercises incorporating an exercise regime should be part of every adult's life and i think that very much concurs with the earlier uh, statements that you have just made about the islamic principles now, of course, the extent and the type of exercise each individual is able to do may vary, but there is scientific evidence available which shows that sedentary behavior is very, very dangerous to the point where even converting as little as 4 to, or to 12 minutes a day of a sedentary behavior into moderate or vigorous physical exercise has far-reaching benefits of a, across a variety of health parameters. The study, which was carried out in over 15,000 people, also found that replacing 30 minutes of sitting per day with 30 minutes of moderate to rigorous exercise had the biggest effect on lowering an individual's body weight. And then that's not to mention on top all the benefits there are with cholesterol levels, blood sugar levels, Mm. healthy weight, and mental health benefits that come with exercising. Now, if we talk about specifically people with heart disease, or who have conditions which may influence their risk of developing heart disease later on, the exercises that I've mentioned can help prevent the onset of heart disease and can even be helpful for those who already have heart disease. What it can do, these types of exercises, they lower your blood pressure, they improve your cholesterol level, and they help you retain, maintain a healthy weight. And all this can have many other health benefits, Plus, exercise releases chemicals in the body which make people feel happier too. Now, as a nation, we are really struggling to get enough exercise. And what I hope that your listeners take away from this sort of um, conversation that we're having today is that exercise is not out of their reach, and it's something that will help them feel better. Some people feel that their health condition um, makes them somewhat anxious to even start exercising, and that's entirely understandable such people that feel like they need a bit more support, that is absolutely fine. That's something they should seek out. And their health professionals should be, and more often than not are, very available to help them support this because overall it will have such a positive impact on their health. It will be a benefit for their health profession serving that individual as well to encourage them to exercise. So there are various... um, uh, incentives in primary care and in secondary care to support people um, exercising. Um, one important thing I'd like to point out is that if someone's had a heart attack, it's important that for that it's important that they exercise safely. And so they should be speaking to their healthcare professional team. They should be speaking to their doctor about when it would be right for them to start exercising. If someone's got heart failure, the amount of exercise they do may need to begin quite slowly quite low and build up very gradually so again there are specialist teams out there that are available for each person's individual needs and their schedule um, and someone for example with mobility issues they should not think that exercise is beyond their reach certainly there are variations of exercises that are effective and can be done in the seated position mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's it. I, well, I I completely agree with everything that you're saying. It's so essential for us to go out and do some kind of exercise, and it doesn't even have to be going out. It can be, literally mm. be from the comfort of our, of our own homes. A lot of times, we have people. Um, they they want to start getting getting into it, but they just can't can't seem to. Um, and and I think for 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 that, it's it's essential for them to understand and know that you won't ever have a bad workout, a a bad. Exercise exercise, uh, whatever it might be, whether it's a walk, you're going out getting some fresh air, whether you go to the gym, When, whenever you're done, I can guarantee that you will have had a good session. You won't say that oh, I had such a terrible session today. You might not like uh, one workout as much as another but that doesn't mean you had a bad workout so it's it's all about getting into it and obviously like you mentioned it's speak to your health uh, uh, professionals as well and they'll be able to guide you in terms of mobility in terms of uh, and um, if you've had a heart attack before or whatever uh, any other kind of um, uh, illness or issue as well then they'll be able to guide you in the best manner um dr nether the last question that i wanted to ask you was Someone who's gone through a heart-related um, problem, how do they know if they're if they're doing enough, if they're doing exercise already? How do they know whether it's enough or not? Because uh, obviously, like you mentioned, you don't want to overexert yourself as well, isn't it?
7: Yeah, for sure. I think the the points that you've made really to continue on that that line. You don't need any specialist equipment. You don't even need, need a large park nearby to be able to work out effectively there is a wealth of information out there to support each person and their individual circumstances as well. A lot of it is actually free. I think that's something that we really need to emphasize to everyone listening. There's a lot of free and available on-demand sources, which are from reputable websites and companies who have lots of experience in delivering high-quality work. So, yeah, just really encouraging everyone to you know step out and actually look into this domain mm. Mm. i think that one important way to know how whether the exercise you're doing is enough is to really listen to your own body so i've mentioned earlier on about moderate aerobic exercise so let's continue with that example so the way you would know that you're doing aerobic exercise to the moderate intensity so the intensity that is needed as a minimum to be able to get the benefit is that you should start to feel your heartbeat faster, and you should start um, feeling the need and breathing faster, and you should also feel warm. There's a very quick test that you can do. So if you're able to talk whilst you're doing exercise, but you can't sing the songs to a word, then you're probably doing moderate-intensity exercise. Mm. But if you're struggling to say more than a few words between breaths, then you're probably working out vigorously. Now, to put this into perspective of one another because i've now mentioned the new term of vigorous exercise in this uh, example one minute of vigorous exercise is equal to two minutes of moderate exercise again like i mentioned earlier examples of moderate exercise aerobic activities include a brisk walk a gentle swim but examples of vigorous aerobic exercise would be for example uh, running or cycling up a hill hmm. so in saying all this i do acknowledge that exercise can, it doesn't necessarily come so easily to everyone. But it's important to make a plan that is realistic and one that you'll stick with for the long term. If you need to be um, making unrealistic changes to your lifestyle, it's very unlikely that you're actually going to stick with that plan. So then you need to relook at your exercise plan and fit it in to uh, your daily lifestyle. You need to be persistent and you need to make sure that you don't give up. That is when you're going to get the most benefit. And always listen to your body. If your body is telling you something doesn't feel right, something feels like it's going a bit too far, don't continue chasing down an arbitrary number, right? You need to listen to what your body is saying and then you might need to take it down a notch. And then later on, of course, you can always build back up if that's something that your body is going to let you do. Um, I've spent a lot of time explaining the benefits of exercise. I don't want to labour the point, but the benefits are truly widespread uh, for exercising. And even in some studies, it's been proven to be more effective or as effective as taking certain medications. Though, of course, I'm not using this platform to tell people stop taking their medications. I'm simply putting exercise into the context about how effective it can be. Like I mentioned, there are lots of great resources some of which I've quoted today, such as the NHS website, the British Heart Foundation, but these are just a couple of examples, and there are plenty of sources, resources out there. They're electronic; they can be in video format as well, or some people still sort of like hard copies. So there are free booklets available that you that individuals can read in various languages too. I do recommend that everyone gives it a go, and don't let fear stop you. You know, stop kicking the can down the line. Oh, I'll start tomorrow. Take the first step today. Even if it's a small step, get started today and you will start seeing very early on the benefits in all of
0: this most certainly most certainly Nida, uh, dr Nidha, i couldn't uh, agree more uh, some excellent points that you've uh, you've made and i'm sure uh, uh, every listener out there would have uh, definitely benefited in one way or another um and uh, again uh, thank you for 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 being with us sharing your insight uh, in uh, and your expertise into in in this topic that we are addressing today uh, and we hope you have thank a wonderful you very day much. Ahead um, as well
7: can I make one parting point? Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. Uh, and then I'm sure you've got the rest of your program to get on with. Yeah. But I'd just like to say, remind everyone of uh, the numbers that I mentioned earlier on, which is on the NHS website, we currently advise people aged between 19 and 64 to do at least 150 minutes worth of moderate exercise plus strength exercises on at least two days. But remember, this isn't an example for everyone. There will be limitations in some people. um, And also, this guidance doesn't necessarily mention including balance exercises or what to do if you are aged over 64. But this is just one scenario, and I would like to remind everyone that if you have a question about your own health, how much you can do given your own health history, please do get in touch with your healthcare professional. But the key thing is, Take a step today. Make a plan today that you're going to do even a little bit and then over time you will be able to grow on that and you will get widespread benefits. So I really encourage that and thank you very much for inviting me
0: on. You're very welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank bye. you. <laughs> bye 208 is the number for you. That was Dr. Nida Ahmed. Uh, cardiology doctor working at uh, a specialist uh, cardiac uh, institute in central london uh, who was sharing her thoughts with us some excellent points uh, that she made and some some uh, um, amazing places in which uh, literature and other such things can be found uh, for the benefit of everyone uh, listening um, in order for them to start their exercising regime journey um, and continue Uh, that as well. Um, With that uh, we are going to be going to our uh, next segment um, and that is in regards to teaching creativity in schools and how it can benefit both teachers and pupils according to some new research which has been done. Um, If you would like to get involved with this discussion uh, then of course you can pick up the phone and give us a call. Remember the number for you as always is 0208-687-7878 and of course you can hear us up on our socials on x and on instagram at voice of islam uk so this study uh, involving teachers in cornwall and re- researchers from exeter university and penryn college um, the co- study investigated if teaching for creativity leads young people to be better prepared for their futures um, and we'll, we'll talk about what uh, this was all about and how creative learning can affect students and other such things as well. Uh, but before we do so, uh, we had a chat with uh, Nasir Buno, um, and uh, uh, earlier on. And this is the discussion that we had.
8: So we are joined by Nasir Bhunna, uh, an English teacher and poet and musician. Uh, lover of peace, calm, power through education wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome.
9: Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. Blessings of Allah be upon you too, Marabi Bishar Buzarkla. Thank you for having me on the phone, uh, on the on the show. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
9: yeah,
8: okay. So as you know, this interview is for the breakfast show tomorrow, and uh, uh, specifically for that segment of the show, which is regarding teaching creativity in school, um, can benefit both teacher and students. So my first question to you is that, um, as an English teacher and poet, how do you personally connect uh, with the idea of, you know, teaching creativity in the classroom while also meeting the standards of the curriculum?
9: Thank you for a really interesting question. I think that with um, creativity is creativity. It's um, all of the authors that have written all the literature that we have created have gone through that creative process. Mm-hmm. Are, um, you know part of the curriculum is to try and understand that those authors that those um, artists essentially have made to make something that is really impactful. And it's through that through that medium of looking at you know notable pieces of literature through um, through the years from key stage three to key stage uh, four, I mean uh, four, four and five and I believe also in primary school when we're looking at um, the text, which using text that have that creative flair, that have something to say. And I think that speaks to the ideas that art, deep messages and meaning. We can use art to be a vehicle for our voice um, because we uh, learn how to be able to say something in the most beautiful and impactful way. And when it comes to literature, when it comes to school and uh, my subject as an English teacher, I'm essentially Mm -hmm. trying to um, get students to understand how to be able to um, communicate in that way or at least be able to decode these messages as well. Mm
8: -hmm. And how can teaching creativity be integrated into the study of literature?
9: Um, um, Certainly, as mentioned, we can obviously look at the way in which previous authors have done done it uh being able to try and emulate and then and create our own pieces of um, art that own experiences. Things that mo- a lot of great literature has come from people's great experiences. And a lot of students have very valid experiences that they want to share with us. Mm-hmm. Being able to use their experiences, being able to use their context and their daily lives and everything that they know, uh, providing a platform where they're able to and see their ideas and be able to acknowledge that their ideas are good, to be able to then look and say, well, you've got these ideas, now let's see if we can mold these ideas into something that looks like art. Um, and you know certainly there is some room in the uh, um, G- key stage three and or key stage four for the GCSEs um, is a component in the English language um, component for um, GCSE English where students need to write creatively both um, either a story or um, where they're writing for purpose where they have to write a piece of nonfiction so both of those components They need to be able to um, understand the rules of writing and then be able to use it and express themselves in in an expert expert fashion.
8: Well, I was wondering that, for example, a a child uh, is deprived of the facilities, for example, like um, learning uh, creativity in the classroom. So is it possible can a student learn Still learn that creativity, the art of creativity, in the latter uh, life
9: of. I'm one of those believers that um, that think that it's never too late to to learn something. It's um, important that that they're exposed to different and different kinds of materials to be able to learn. I think one of the things as well that owes itself to being creative is to have an open and curious mind. The the element of exploration. Mm is really i think really important um those things where i you know i think that the jury the jury's still out there whether you know creative creativity itself can be we can i can show you an element of what makes a good essay can show you an element of what what all the different elements that make a good story um you know if and and you can work on those skills in it because these are skills that can be learned um at the end of the day some people will have um, a knack for it um, because of what they've been exposed to and their surroundings. Um, But just like any skill, and I I truly believe this, um, just like any skill, the idea of creativity can be learned. If you're um, a musician or a songwriter or, or a poet, um, or, or a writer uh, for a novel. Mm. you can been here that people have writer's block. The people, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the way of getting out of that is to make sure that you mm. are just continuing to write, to to make sure you're doing that practice um, every day, um, and mm. exercising those faculties um, to to ensure that you're doing that. You know, um, so creativity isn't necessarily just something that I think that you have. It's a, it's a talent. It's one I think what you're exposed to, and to the amount mm-hmm. of hard work that you put into whichever art that you choose to go into, whichever kind of school that you go into. It's very much like mm-hmm. um, innovators and inventors, right?
6: Mm-hmm. Very
9: hard for it's very hard for um, an engineer to invent something if they don't have the previous knowledge and haven't, if they haven't worked hard to get all the previous knowledge to break down, you know, the simplest of components and machines to then take those ideas and then create something else.
8: Yeah, I was just wondering again that, for example, uh, sometimes uh, what happens that uh, the element of shyness does you not know, become the hindrance of some students. So I was wondering that how, you, how can you deal with such students um, or they can excel in the art of creativity?
9: One of the things, particularly in, in the classroom that we, um, that as teachers, um, and most teachers I think will know this, is the idea of praise. And praising mm. effort, I think, is really important. Um, and understanding that progress for everybody looks different um in which we talk about mistakes portals mm-hmm. as well and understanding that it's okay to make mistakes. Yep. Some sometimes with um when it comes to writing, that students need to learn gonna write off perfectly well, that there is a process of editing. There's a process mm-hmm. of redrafting and thinking about it, going back to it as well. Um, and I think one of one of the things that we do in our classroom, I'm thinking of a particular lesson is that, you know, J.K. Rowling, who wrote um, Harry Potter? Yeah,
8: Harry Potter. Yeah.
9: So we have her notes up on on, on the board, can see all of the different edits that they've gone. They can see all the words that she's crossed out. It's OK if you don't understand it now. But if you put your ideas, if you don't put anything mm. down now, if you don't practice anything, you've got nothing to start from. Um, everyone has yeah. to start from somewhere. Can be mm, difficult when yeah. you know was that have um, low self esteem. It can be very difficult to um, to um, to to get them off the starting block. But a lot of praise and and that sort of uh, nurturing mentorship can can go a long way. I think.
8: Yeah, I mean, it's never too late to
9: start anything, yeah, literally. Absolutely, and, and you uh, even like five, ten minutes a day, if you're practicing mm. some small thing, there's time, you'll be amazed at how good you can become at whatever it is that you choose, and then then you can start to break the rules and be creative in that, you know? Yeah, so
8: is poetry used to inspire creativity in your admission office? Um, I mean, are there any poems or quotes you found uh, impactful for yourself or or for your students?
9: Yes, actually, there's a few, um, not necessarily from poems themselves, but uh, words that I find deeply poetic and beautiful uh a metaphorical mm-hmm. um there are the words of um khalifa um Hazrat mirza tahir al uh, may Allah yeah. be pleased with him who said a force can bend heads but it can't change minds i think that's one yeah. that It's a really powerful quote that i um, um that that sticks with me um quote that i mm-hmm. got from from mulan um if you've seen the disney film mulan um, and mm. this idea that a single grain of single grain of rice scale yeah.
8: this quote is totally based on Islamic uh, teaching as well for example Quran says that like uh, that that there's no compulsion in religion so Absolutely. all our teachings um thank you so much um uh, for taking your time out um it was a pleasure to have you on the um have you for the interview uh thank you so much for oh, joining
9: us Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure talking
1: with you, Murabi Saab. Thank you so much. Thank Take you, care, man. yeah? That was Nasser Buno, a pre-recording uh, of our guest who is an English teacher and avid poet. And um, We are talking about a very interesting segment, Teaching Creativity in Schools Can Benefit Both Teachers and Pupils. And When we look at the study of researchers from Exeter University, we see that the Exeter University, um, you know, and the uh, Penryn College studied how to boost creativity in schools for two years. First, they defined creative skills and prepared teachers. Um, in the second year, they applied these ideas teaching across different grades. Uh, the goal was to see if teaching for creativity helps students prepare for the future. Um, and you know, results showed increased. Uh, teacher confidence and creativity in uh, children Um, like uh, like we can see it's a very uh, very very uh, interesting study that uh, was uh, done we do have with us um, a guest but before we do go to our guest we know that the promised messiah um, he has stated that the uh, knowledge has three stages uh, he says the knowledge through inference knowledge through observation and knowledge through experience now just to briefly summarize all these uh, uh these uh, uh, inference in- inference observation and uh, experience so we see that and i'll just give brief examples as well so when we see inference it's creative no- learning involves the ability to draw conclusions and uh, you know make connections based on existing knowledge learners infer new ideas concepts or solutions by combining and interpreting information in you know various ways um, you know for example um, um, and I'll give a, a, a food or chocolate uh, example as I know um, you know many people are very uh, they, they do have a very uh, a, a good spot for chocolate desserts. <clears throat> uh you know you, you know maybe a friend you know loves chocolate and enjoys you know s- spicy food by putting two and two together you might infer that they could enjoy trying a spicy chocolate dessert that's using what you already know to make a smart guess so that's inf- in- in- inference Observation, creative uh, learning values keen observation of the world, encouraging individuals to pay attention to details, you know, patterns and possibilities. You know, uh, through careful observation, learners can gain insights inside that uh, contribute to their creative thinking and you know, problem-solving uh, skills. Um, you know, for example, imagine you're playing in the in 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 a park. Uh, you notice that when you swing higher on on the swing, the shadows under the swing change you observe this and you start to understand how sunlight and motion can create different effects in it's like learning by paying close attention to what's happening around you and this is observation when we come to experience we see that you know creative learning recognizes the significance of hands-on experience it encourages individuals to actively engage with uh, with concepts uh, experiment and apply theoretical knowledge and in in real world uh, situations. This experimental learning not only depends uh, uh, deepens uh, you know um, uh, de- uh, deepens the understanding, but also fosters creativity by allowing to learn to to, to, to learners to learn more successful uh, ways um, uh, successes and and failures. For mm-hmm. example, we see. Uh, picture yourself learning to ride a bike. You know, reading about it is one thing, but once you actually get on the bike, pedal and balance, you're gaining knowledge through experience. You know, you learn how to stay upright, you know, navigate, and you know, it sticks with you because of the experience that you go through. And this is something. This whole uh, topic and this, this, the, the study that was done reminds me of a very. Interesting quote that I've read. Um, I've read quite often, and you know, I've read uh, in various uh, stages. And that is that uh, you know, in, in Ottoman schools, every child has you know evaluated to due to his uh, or her talents, and every child has a different um, you know courses. And the motto of the schools, uh, which ha- was written on the walls, was "Here, no fish will uh, be forced to fly, and no bird will be uh, forced to swim." Uh, we do have with us our guest. Um, with us, um, we have with us
0: Khalid Safir, who's an online teacher. Recently moved from London, uh, England, to a village in Jordan, Middle East. He's also a modern-day uh, mad scientist, creating a new ways. Creating new ways, uh, software uh, can help us learn. He also teaches Islamic happiness classes for non-Muslims. As-salamu alaykum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show.
10: Well, alaykum salam, and peace be upon you too. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for joining us. Uh, being a scientist, how has moving to Jordan, the Middle East, impacted your life?
10: Sure. So, I mean, just to clarify, the kind of mad scientist I am is a software scientist. So, I make uh, weird, or I could say weird, weird to... Uh, The average person, like I've just uh, made an app that helps you draw, understands how human beings want to, you know, without communicating with buttons and things, you can just draw something and the computer knows what you want to draw and stuff like that. But anyway, how has Jordan, going to Jordan, affected uh, my thinking process? I mean, since I've been here, I've made a new app um, and something I've been thinking about for a long time. And why why is it i suppose being in a village in nature um you start thinking differently there's a verse of the quran beautiful verse of the quran uh that often i don't think is translated very well um and it's uh we have created that as god has created tribes and sub-tribes that you may know each other and The verse really means to say that you may know the good qualities of each other, and so one of the good qualities that are really inducive for creativity, because uh, that's what I do, um, is the thought of peacefulness and calmness, and you don't have that in the West. In the West, you're always feeling like a failure, that's what uh, the materialist design is supposed to be, that you you never achieved enough and the adverts tell you you have to buy more and more. So you're always in a rush and always thinking that whatever you should have achieved, you should have achieved yesterday. So with that kind of thinking, if you're always panicking, you can never create anything because everything takes time. So I think um, looking out my window and that at the moment, I can see the sheep going past, I can see the beautiful garden that I work on every day and the sort of calmness to... Actually give you time to think and contemplate and create, so you need space and time to create, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense yeah
1: yeah, and uh, would you say that being a scientist and a teacher go hand in hand uh, you know when it comes to uh, creativity for your students?
10: Well, not exactly, not nowadays, especially um, most schools kill creativity. Um, when you if, you, if you're talking about a scientist as in somebody who wants to invent new things or find out new things, schools are designed to kill that sense of thinking outside the box because you're rewarded for um, doing a particular set of questions. And if you do it the right way and the way you're told, then you'll be rewarded with a certificate. So it has its function, but not much for... Um, Things like creativity. Uh, in fact, to be fair, and even the Quran talks about this idea that if you follow the the way of the, the if you follow the majority, you you be led away from the way of God. Basically, the average person, all they do, and the, and the Quran continues with they follow conjecture and they lie. Means the average person doesn't really think for themselves. They just have guessworks and they copy somebody else. Um, And so when I, as a teacher myself, I don't just, say, teach the subjects, I try to inspire people to think differently, you know, like, we don't realize how much we're subject to other people's ideas, like, uh, let me, let's turn this into conversation rather than just ask me questions, like, what do you think about, um, do you think wearing a tie makes you smart? I'm asking you a question.
1: Do I think wearing a tie makes a person smart? Um, I would yeah. say that uh, not really. It depends um, if if the tie has a, you know, if, if it impacts a, a person. I know the, the psychological impact that goes behind wearing a tie is that it makes someone more active. Uh, I wouldn't say maybe sure. making them smart. Um. Sure, okay.
10: Uh, what do you think about... Um Uh, A person wearing a ribbon around their head. They're all connected questions. Like uh, imagine if you walked into uh, an office and you wore a ribbon around your head, would would, uh, anybody tell you how smart you looked?
1: Uh, I would assume no. What would you
10: say? I would say no. I would say and wearing uh, a tie is, is basically just a ribbon around your neck. So, just it's it's actually a stupid wear of, a piece of clothing, but people consider themselves very smart and serious when they're wearing it. But you wouldn't consider yourself smart and serious if you're wearing a ribbon round your head, mm-hmm. for example. But rib- wearing it round your head, around your neck, doesn't really make much difference. It's just that we we, we we're subject to a lot of silly ideas that we don't realise. And so in short, in a way, as a teacher, my job in many ways is to tell you how not to be normal. Because the more normal you are, the less chance you're going to be, let's say, as I say, thinking outside the box. You have to kind of realize the silliness of the world we live in and try not to absorb it too easily. But it mm-hmm. takes a bit of effort.
1: So it's not easy
5: to be creative.
1: Interesting, interesting. Um, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for answering our questions. It was very, uh, very good to have you on, uh, Khazfi. Um we have a. Uh, we hope you have a uh, beautiful day and a lovely week ahead.
10: Oh yeah, you too, Shazakana. Shazakana. All right, peace be upon you.
0: Zero zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. That was Khalid Safi, an online teacher recently moved from London to Jordan, um, uh, creating new ways and softwares which can help us learn as well. Um, and we did have a chat with uh, Farheen Yasin, uh, who, um, which we'll be listening to now.
8: Uh, for Yassin, yasin thank you so much for joining us uh, for him is, is a uh, year three primary school teacher in a three form entry school uh, she's an ect early career uh, teacher this is her first year of teaching after um, training through a school of the uh, school of direct alliance um thank you so much uh, for joining us as and you that is one of the
4: thank you for having me today.
8: Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining. And uh, first question for you is that uh, what comes to your mind uh, when you think about the role of creativity in the classroom and how um, do you believe uh, it can impact both yourself and your students?
4: So I think like creativity in the classroom plays a very vital role in shaping like a dynamic, An effective learning environment Um, if it goes way beyond than just like you know memorizing things like back in the day you know memorizing things was a very um, a very common thing but I feel like now with creativity in the classroom and encouraging students to think critically and problem-solving in unique ways it really shapes their mind with um, a lot more uh, to their learning that they're you know acquiring while they're at school um it promotes and encourages you know critical thinking ex- expression um adaptability collab- collaboration and communication i feel like that is something very important once you have mm-hmm. that creativity in the classroom um it it gives them a chance to communicate what goes in their mind their ideas it's sort of you know, sparks ideas within their minds and, you know, creates new avenues for different thoughts that, you know, may occur in their minds. And then when they work collaboratively, um, these things combine and then they make even greater ideas, which is a very vital role, which plays a very vital role in their learning, um, their journey at school. Um, it also like creating having creativity in the classroom is also a means of motivation as well um, when a child sees that you know there's creativity and there's a lot of engaging content in the classroom it does motivate them to also be creative in their own way to you know show themselves on of how they are and what they have to add um, to the classroom life um, at school um, and other than that I feel like. Again, with the long-term retention of remembering things and taking mm. that experience of creativity with them, like for the rest of their lives, I feel like as a teacher, I do play a very, very crucial role in like their experiences, you know, as a child, um, because they're gonna remember this for the rest of their lives. I know when I was a child, I remember mm. my whole primary school experience, what my teachers used to do for me. I had a favorite teacher as well. I remember what she used to do for me. So I really think mm. having that creativity really creates those experiences for the children that they will remember for the rest of their lives. And those are the experiences that they talk about mm. when they go home, when their parents ask them, what did you do at school today? And they'll, you know, pick out the highlights, the creative, the, the creativity that was involved in those experiences. Mm. So I feel like it's very, very crucial to have that.
8: Yeah, perfect. I mean, uh, wonderful. Uh, you have shared your um, student experience, uh, uh, but this leads to another question that, how uh, might incorporating creativity enhance your overall teaching experience, um, I mean, as well as the student learning experience?
4: I feel like when, when a child is engaged in the creative content that you produce for them, whether it be a creative lesson, or um, you know creativity in the displays around the classroom it's the oh. memory it's, it's the fact that they remember those things and they talk about it and when we ask them at the end of the day or at the end of even like the week what was the one thing that you um, enjoyed this week and they really pick out oh i enjoyed so and so this week because you know it was fun or i really liked Ooh. the way it looked or it was really interesting that gives us as teachers the satisfaction and, you know, the reward of, okay, yes, the children remembered, the children enjoyed it, and it motivates us to also carry on making that creative learning journey for them throughout their school life. Um, And it also um, allows personal growth, like um, exploring creative teaching methods and, like, challenges um mm. so like really overcoming those challenges, like and seeing where like the, you know the children where they what they what works for them and what doesn't work for them, I feel like mm. creativity has a very pivotal role in that as well. Um, how you you plan your lessons and how you make it engaging. I try my best to, you know, have slides or lessons that have you know, those little pictures or those little, Um, animations that you know make it creative you know for them to you know have that long-term memory check for Mm. each of the things or each of the subjects that they you know learn in the day so I feel like it's a very rewarding feeling knowing that you know Mm. the children have taken away something from that lesson or that discussion or whatever they did in that day it's very rewarding I feel like a lot of teachers could relate to that.
8: Yeah, perfect. I mean, you mentioned that sometimes you have to face certain challenges. Uh, I just want to know that what kind of challenges do you have to face, and how do you deal with them? Uh, can you give an example?
4: So I feel like the main challenges that I personally face as a teacher um, is, mm. you know, working in accordance with the different levels that my children are. So. Yes, I'm a year three teacher. And yes, all my children, they're working at a year three curriculum. However, some children mm. are different learners. They, Some children learn visually. Um, you know, some children like having concrete resources with them. And I feel like really mm. adapting the teaching according to their needs um, is a mm. common challenge that a lot of teachers face. And um, as a first year um, teacher, I feel mm. like it is is a constant learning game. Every day you're learning, okay, this thing works for this child, so we're going to use it Mm. in the lesson, you know, and it will start working for other children, maybe, um, if not, Mm. have other options for what would work and what wouldn't. And I feel like you can be so creative with the resources that you have in your school, or even like resources that you can get, maybe even if you ask the parents that, oh, would your Mm. child be able to bring in this or this? Um, for this Mm. lesson and I feel like if you have that communication with the parents as well then Mm. it really makes it easier Um, having that communication with the parents makes life so much easier it helps you um, it helps you make your lessons more creative with you know even if you have lack of resources you can Mm. get those resources by having that communication if you have that communication you'll be at more ease talking to those parents as well so i feel like that's Mm. something i i feel like i struggled with that in the beginning you know creating that relationship with the parents until parent teaming came along and you know that that communication was there and i feel like now that is something that really helps me get resources and make my lessons more engaging and more creative um even even in terms of like a diversity in the classroom Um, As a Muslim teacher, um, Mm. you know, I encourage children to also, you know, be quite expressive um, about their Mm. culture, about their religion, about whatever they believe. Um, And I have a lot of different faiths in my classroom as well. So we had RE Day. And I told uh, I emailed the, the parents to tell them, "Oh,'ve we've got, we've got RE day coming up in you know next week. Mm. How about you know, mm. you ask your children to bring in something from their face so that they can share it with the class? And it sort of brings about that diversity and also that engaging aspect, that creativity where the children remember, remember that, oh, yes, I brought something in and I showed the class. And it makes that experience very, valuable for the children that are watching as well so i feel like that is something um that you yeah, know yeah. is a solution to a lot of challenges
8: yeah perfect i would say uh, that's a wonderful uh i mean certainly communication is the key to to the art of creativity and also Definitely. You know, it certainly uh, makes it more engaging as well uh yeah. thank you so much for taking your time out uh, it was a delight to have you on the uh, for the interview thank you so
0: much
4: thank you so much thank you for having me
0: and that brings us to an end for today's show. Um, that uh, uh, that concludes today's show. And thank you for everyone who was listening in, uh, everyone who got involved as well. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful day ahead. Here is the nine o'clock news.